Ooh. Ooh. It's freezing. I'm freezing my tits off in here. And you know where else it's freezing? The Eagle and Wolf Podcast. Hi, I'm Wolf, otherwise known as Bone King TV, and I'm joined by... Eagle, otherwise known as The Dude. Yes, indeedy. And you're listening to the Eagle and Wolf Podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to the casual, in-depth discussions about Resident Evil and other survival horror classics. But, uh, yeah, I, go ahead. But why is it so cold in here? Why is it so cold in here, and why are my tits frozen? Well, today we're going to be tackling something called the Resident Evil Iceberg. Um, this is sort of like a, and I had to explain it to you because I don't think you've ever seen this before, right? The iceberg. I mean, I, I've I've thing? heard about this type of iceberg where where it's just a bunch of fan theories, or is that, or is there more to that? Well, it's not even so much fan theories; it's just obscure trivia about Resident Evil from just all over the entire universe. And I figured, hey, what better show to talk about just the amalgamation of Resident Evil trivia than here on the Eagle and Wolf show. Uh, by the way, if anyone is wondering what the hell the freezing tits thing was, I don't blame you. It's an off ad lib that Alyssa does an outbreak. And you know what? It was the best way to tie it in. So shush. <laughs> yeah, and for those wondering, I couldn't think of any from Code Veronica when they're in Antarctica as a good cold line and also there's freeze well, rounds in three and I couldn't think of anything using that either. Well, it's to, it's fair because in Code Veronica, it's not like they reference the fact that they're freaking cold at all. Claire's running out with her fucking midriff like shirt and she's totally fine on the Antarctic wilds. Like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you got that right. Um... I'm just saying, but but speaking of ice, uh, we're gonna go ahead and tackle this iceberg. The way that these icebergs are constructed are basically they're in different tiers. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six different tiers. I can count. And um, as you get progressively lower in the tiers, which is uh, you know further down the iceberg into the the depths of the water, that's the more obscure trivia. So you know it's like light trivia on top, and then we get to the more obscure deep cuts at the bottom. For those listening, so that's basically the deal. for those listening mm -hmm. right now, we we are Morpheus giving you the pills. You either go down <laughs> the rabbit hole with us, or you get the fuck out and quit the show now. So uh, yes. Yes, and as Resident Evil has taught us, any pills that we take suppresses the virus, so it's okay. Even if it's La Plagas or uh, the antiviral pills from Outbreak, let's get going with the tip of the iceberg. Let's start swallowing. All right, so you've got the iceberg in front of you too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, should should I just start it off? All right, so I feel like uh, why don't we each take turns, I guess, saying one of the things so that way it's, it keeps it a little bit uh, varied yeah. and then we try to answer it the best we can. Okay, so I think first things first, I'll I'll just bring it up. The Jill sandwich. Now, this one was hard. I, I really don't know uh, this <laughs> reference at all. It, I, I couldn't really draw any, like, you know, research on it or any. It's not like it's in every goddamn piece of media that references Resident Evil ever. And not only that, Capcom <laughs> itself does not shut up about it. No, not once. They they know that we found it funny, and now it can never die. And, it, I, I, you know, I'm with Boogie, who's on the Discord. Shout out to, to Boogie, who, or uh, Boogle, who also agrees that this joke has just been run into the ground. But before we go any further, why don't you go ahead and explain where Jill Sandwich comes from? So, as anybody knows who've played the OG Resident Evil, the, the first one in 96, the voice acting 
and the script is really fucking bad. And Barry Burton, uh, a legend, uh, who both you, b- both you and I love for very different yes. reasons, but we both love him. Uh, no, well, hold on, wait, 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 wait. I I love him for both reasons, both your reason and my own. It's not like I don't respect him. Oh, I do that too. I just also want to bone him. It's very different. All right, keep your bone in your pants for a little bit. Uh, so really quick, really quick, stealing your shit. Uh, Jill goes into this room where the ceiling's coming down after getting the shotgun. Barry goes and saves her. And before she gets squished, he pulls her out and he says, gee, you were almost a Jill sandwich. And which just goes to show you that Barry always knows when to pull out. <laughs> Not really. He's got two kids. Sorry, had two kids. <laughs> well, those were planned, unlike some people, like myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Jill Sandwich. We we see it mentioned not only in Resident Evil as a reference, but we also see it in Dead Rising, right? There's a store called Jill Sandwiches. Yes, correct. It's also in Dead by Daylight as an equipable item for Nemesis. Are you fucking <laughs> serious? <laughs> What did I say about it can't die? It is everywhere and anywhere at all times. In fact, you want to know how anywhere and everywhere it is? Guess what image is on the iceberg we're looking at right fucking now? It's Jill at Subway. Well, there you go. And what is she holding, my friend? A sandwich. I just don't know. Okay. I don't know if that's a fan edit, but... No, obviously it is. I'm just saying that the reference is everywhere, even in this iceberg we're looking at you cannot julia escape voth. this reference julia voth in full cosplay ate a sandwich on stream just to <laughs> ju- just to do it i can't believe the model for jill ate a sandwich this is like uh, it, it, it's just really blown out of proportion i mean yeah it's funny it's a funny line but it, it continues and it's getting kind of redundant however moving on to another um i guess parody or, or uh, beloved line from RE1's bad voice acting uh, is the Master of Unlocking. So the Master of Unlocking line, Barry, again, this is a Barry line that says There's it to Jill. There's three Barry lines saying, at the top of this fucking thing. <laughs> oh my God, there is a third one. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> <laughs> Barry. So Barry just has the top tier, yeah. Bar- Barry's <laughs> S tier in all of our hearts. Uh, but yeah. Meme Lord Barry. <laughs> Uh, basically tells Jill that she is the master of unlocking because she's real good at picking locks. The the Actually, we're not even going to be able to get to the novelizations yet, but they're further down on the iceberg. But that they, they tried to explain the whole thing on why she was able to unlock doors by being the daughter of a great thief. And we'll get to that when we get to the S.D. Perry novels. But that's master of unlocking. You want to try? You want to do the other RE1 Barry quilt since we're on a roll here? Yeah, no worries, man. I have this. <laughs> Oh! Okay, now say the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have this is a line right after Barry gives Jill, I think, acid rounds or the bazooka. Uh, it, it actually changes, I think. It was originally one thing, and then it ended up being the acid round, something like that. Right, and, and she just asks Barry, well, what about you, Barry? What are you going to use to protect yourself? And Barry goes, don't worry, Jill, I have this. And he just wields his revolver like a fucking badass 
But still, it's that is correct. It's it's such a he's got so many bad, funny lines. I'm kind of surprised. I hope this isn't Chris's blood isn't here. Because they didn't do any of Rebecca's, by the way. Any of like, look at those monsters or or what? Oh no! I, anyway, I guess Ari One's dialogue takes up three slots already on this, and thing. it's all the Jill fucking storyline. But whatever, that's fine. It's a red. The f- main character. Fuck you. Continue. It's your <laughs> turn. You fucking ass. All right. Next up, the Ari Six Giraffe. All right. So I'm surprised this isn't further down. This is a well-known thing. I, I guess once you look at it, you automatically see it. Yeah. So and you can't <laughs> unsee it. So, well, of course, what they're talking about is the Resident Evil 6 logo, uh, the number six in it kind of, sort of, maybe looks like a giraffe getting a blowjob. Uh, yeah, it's funny that they don't put blowjob giraffe, just RE6 giraffe, but the six part, the part where it's like the left part that goes up with an up hook, that's how I describe numbers, you see. Um, that's the giraffe, and then the other side that's connecting to it looks like a lady giving head. I don't know, that that seems to be the consensus, but now someone brought it up and now nobody can unsee it. But listen, so that's the RE6 that, that, that is probably the most enjoyable way to play Resident Evil 6, or the only way to find enjoyment in Resident Evil 6 is to have a blowjob when you're doing it. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I, I mean, uh, the game is all about explosion and eruptions. So. And I'm just going to do this right now, but uh, for those wondering how Resident Evil 6 plays on PS4, you can watch Bone King TV stream with gay gaming oh Joey on, <laughs> on Twitch. <laughs> I it's weird because you say that and normally I'd be like oh it runs fine on PS4 but for whatever reason this has been the most cursed run I've ever done of this game and I've done it like a good five or six times but whatever look forward to that it's over on twitch.tv so there you go um let's move on to the next one so pick pick your fancy your poison if you will your virus as you are a valentine main and as much as I kind of liked Welcome to Raccoon City because it's written by a Redfield main, we're going to go deep into the Redfield bloodline, which is, <laughs> it's not even like canon, it's just fan no. shit. But but see, that's a couple of these things. Like, you know what I mean? RE, you think RE6 giraffe is canon? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you, you think this was intentional? You don't think that the designer listen, of that logo regrets that decision every day of his life now? Listen, let me tell you something. Masahiro Ito designed that giraffe for a good reason. Masahiro Ito did Silent Hill, you ignorant pleb. Get educated. That's the joke. Um, That's the joke. Oh, um, whatever. <laughs> but the Redfield bloodline, it's this idea that Claire never gets Leon. She only has eyes for Leon and she never gets a date or never gets a relationship. Uh, and Chris oh, she doesn't have it, eyes for Leon. But okay. And Chris is obsessed with continuing the, the, the bloodline because he doesn't want to have sex with Jill and, and Jill probably doesn't <laughs> want to have sex with him because, you know, what are you talking about? We're best friends. That'd be disgusting. Yeah. You know, friends can be platonic. And also, I mean, hopefully it's later on down the line, but you and I both believe that Chris and Wesker are more of a, a relationship. That, that is my, that's my headcanon, and I agree with that. But I want to just say for the record, and completely unironically, Jill and Chris are like my two favorite platonic friends characters in fiction. 
I, I know there's probably better examples, but they're, you know, very personal characters to me. And I love the fact that they never pursued that aspect. There is a little bit of romantic tension in the RE1 OG endings, but like, for the most part, they're friends. So where this Redfield bloodline comes from is just kind of like, he doesn't want to continue it with Jill, and so he's forcing Leon to do it with Claire. But the thing is, is Leon is obsessed with Ada. So it kind of works really well in this weird, like, forget about her. She's just stringing you along. She'll only leave you brokenhearted. Not only Leon, that, we probably sister. had uh, the biggest surgence of this was when Resident Evil 2 Remake was coming out a few years ago. And mm. and they just shipped, uh, shopped, excuse me, uh, Chris on Mr. X. And the memes alone were great. <laughs> and I do appreciate the fact that Capcom, like, sort of, they, they weren't aware of the Redfield Bloodline meme or anything, but they, they at least wrote a line of dialogue that's like, what? We're not dating. We just met now. And, like, just literally acknowledge the fact that everyone shipped these two, despite them never really interacting all that much. But whatever. Moving on. Before we get in trouble with the shippers, the next thing we got are the CG movies. Um, wow, this one actually might be tough for me to remember the names of them because I get them mixed up all the time. Let's see if you could help me. There's, what, Resident Evil Degeneration. There's... I was about to say no. Damnation, but yeah. Steve. Damnation is another one. It is? Yes. Oh, no, there's also Vendetta. And Vendetta. I think that's all of them. Good job. Uh, but there's also that Netflix show that fucking sucked. That should have been a movie, and it would have still oh, sucked. Oh, shit. What was that thing called again? Oh, in <laughs> Infinite Darkness. That's right. <laughs> God, it should have stayed in the dark. Um, oh! And that's all that we're going to leave that in the dark, too. because I mean, okay. So in terms of the, the CG movies, they exist, and that's why they're here on the freaking iceberg, I guess. So next one, I guess? Yeah, I mean... The only thing we'll mention is um, they're fun fodder for fans, but they're not good. Uh, speaking of not good, let's move right <laughs> along to the Paul W.S. Anderson movies, which are so, just what, what, what did you call them? Because you've said them. You said this line, and I don't think there's a better, a better adjective for these sets of this franchise. Oh, um, Mila Jovovich fan fiction by his by the yeah. director. It's Mila fan fiction. I was going to say, you're going to have to be a little more specific. If you think I remember half the shit I say, you're sorely mistaken. But that, yeah, that is what I, I think of it. It's basically Mila fan fiction. But I just realized we're pretty far in and we're only on the top tier. And we're not going to do a whole review on the Anderson movies. This is literally just referencing that the movies exist. And yeah, the live action movies exist with Alice. But yep. but tune in for that eventual talking tears of the Anderson movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eventually, we'll get there. <clears throat> Eventually. Uh, so, me next. Oh, sorry. Uh, next up, we will move right on to uh, another meme. Why not? Well, I'll save the meme for you. Why not? Well, they're both memes. Fuck it. So, Leon Help is literally just what Ashley screams when she's being grabbed away in Resident Evil 4. Uh, it's very annoying. Uh, that's kind of the whole thing. And that's why it's memorable. <laughs> I don't know. Any, anything I, you want to add? I, I, I fucking hate it, but I just, I guess it just adds more to Ashley being annoying. Um, Fun fact that voice actress is the same actress that plays Sandy Cheeks and uh, from SpongeBob and Cindy from Jimmy Neutron. So all I hear is them. 
Well, I'm sure they've got great ballistics. So we go on to fucking Boulder Punch, which anybody who's played Resident Evil 5 knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, Right. Which is basically... Or or anyone who just vaguely knows about 5 as well. Or just knows about Chris Redfield. He He punches a boulder to help push it to go save Sheva, I believe. I believe that's what yes. leads to him saving Sheva from Wesker. They're in the volcano. Oh, by the way, spoilers, I guess. My bad. Yeah, spo- spoilers <laughs> for the entire franchise from here on out. Welcome to Eagle and Wolf, though. Like, come on. Anyway, uh, fucking, yeah, it, they're in the volcano, and Sheva's on the other side because they're separated separated by plot convenience, and fucking, there's a boulder in the way. Chris punches it several times, and it, that's the other thing. It's not one punch. He literally works it several times in order for it to move over and kicks it. But whatever, we'll focus on the punch because it's a meme. And that that has continued forth and now is even in Village as a canon meme. Yeah, that boulder-punching asshole. Uh, So we'll move on from that boulder-punching asshole to some punching of ivory keys with the Moonlight Sonata. Yeah, Uh, so so, actually I have something to say about this a little bit because um, when I first started playing Resident Evil, I didn't know much about classical music. But I fell uh-huh. in love with the Moonlight Sonata because of Resident Evil. So nice. I, so then because of Resi, I got into like Beethoven and Bach and some Mozart. And a lot of people, a lot of like, you know, I'm like a 9, 10 year old. By the way, these games aren't meant to be played when you're 9 or 10 years old. But nobody asked. And I would mm. talk to like, you know, some senior citizens and I would mention like Moonlight Sonata. And they were like, how do you know that? Oh, I got to kill zombies and listen to it. It was pretty good. <laughs> I got to kill zombies while someone fucked it up for 20 minutes. Well, Jill doesn't fuck it up, but Rebecca does. So you're right. Well, I'm just saying in Chris's campaign, it's just like, come back later, Chris. I learned that's by distance, by the way. You can wait as long as you want. What matters is if you go far away and then come back. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, did, I did not know that, but I've done quote unquote tests, I guess. Um, uh. One more thing, I guess, with Moonlight Sonata, I, I think it's kind of funny, and it, and it's kind of convenient, too. I'm, I'm just glad that they don't make them p- play, like, the whole song to make the door open. Which, by the way, we didn't even mention where where it's from here. We just sort of reverence Yeah, this it. is another uh, Resident Evil 1 thing. Yeah, a lot of these top ones are from Resident Evil 1, and basically all it is is it's a puzzle that lets you get the shield emblem, the re- or you have to put the real shield emblem there, and you do it by opening a door with the piano. That's it. That's Moonlight Sonata. So what's up next? Um, you want stars? I'll give you stars. Oh, nice. Of course, you go for the RE three me- most memorable quote in that game. It's it's our girl. It's the main girl, fucking Jill, delivering a great line because throughout Resident Evil three, Nemesis says only one word, just says stars. That's all he says <laughs> in that great gravelly voice, and. You know, it gets annoying after a while. And finally, <laughs> at the end of the game, unless you're playing Remake, where they just blow it, blow Ooh, it out. They just plop it in. They just plop it in in like the first or beginning of the second act. And you're like, that totally lost the weight of it. But OK, that's fine. And she's there killing again a resurrected nemesis after killing him with a railgun. She's blasting away with a 357 Magnum. And just says, you want stars, I'll give you stars with the final shot, finally killing him before the city gets nuked, which hopefully really does kill him. 
Well, whatever. Uh, you can't. I, I'm honestly shocked that he didn't come back. He might. You never know. Resident like, Evil Nine. Not? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, in fact, that kind of idea of Nemesis surviving, that would have been a whole, a really interesting alternate way to end that, I think, ah! because the next thing we're talking about <laughs> are the alternate endings. Is this even really a trivia? The fact that it has alternate endings? Like, I think, all right. I think the only, isn't it the only, the first three games are the only ones with alternate endings? I mean, one definitely has alternate endings with who you bring onto the helicopter. Right. Uh, two kind of it has one like not true ending. It has an ending and then it has a true ending, but neither one are alternate. You know what I mean? One leads into the other. But three does have alternate endings. Yeah. They all end the same, but they all have different ways of getting there. So it's kind of different. But other than that, I don't think any other game in the franchise has alternate endings. Um, nothing comes unless you. Oh, yeah, outbreak. You come, what? Well, that's true. Outbreak does, and that kind of factors into the different characters you can play as and whatnot. But you're right. Even as the a same character, a same character can have like three or four different endings, and some of them even have paired endings with fucking uh, other outbreak characters, like Kevin and if Jim. You ever, yeah, yes, which is funny that you bring up that one. I think I brought it up before, where I think that's the worst one, and you disagree. Yeah, because I like it. I I like the. I like when characters don't have a way out and they just the only way they see to go forward is to keep the fight going. It's one of the reasons well, why I love uh, the show Angel. It ends well, the on thing, a fight. The, the thing is, is that out of all the paired endings, that's the only one where they don't. They just sit there and bitch at each other. No, no. <laughs> the, the zombies start coming. And Kevin starts aiming a gun, and Jim's like, oh, we should have gotten out of here. And Kevin yes. goes to fight. I really like when Kevin goes to fight. I do like Kevin. Look, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. I just want to let you know, in the Mark and David one, they repair a tank. Yeah. And start killing zombies on the tank. In the Alyssa and Yoko one, they leak the news to Umbrella over the internet and just, like, literally make the entire thing public. I guess Cindy and George just fall in love, so I, I don't I don't know how that's really fighting. And but all that, that's of them, cute. and all of them can turn into zombies. That that is absolutely right, and that, that, that our outbreak is so great. One day we'll have an episode talking about all the little intricacies in outbreak, and it still won't be enough. Uh, I think that's it for the first tier of the iceberg. The, correct. The tip of the iceberg. Now we're going a little deeper. We're on top of it. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> Only half an hour in. <laughs> and uh, speaking of about being on top of it, it's a little itchy tasty here. Oh, my goodness. That's itchy tasty. The, that's the fucking worst one. Uh, it's the is it the Watchman's Diary from Resident Evil one? Correct. This is the Watchman's Diary. Uh, so he this is a, an NPC. We never see him. We hope I guess I hope we kill him in the closet. But I was going to say, we do see him. He attacks us as a zombie. I, I never knew if that was legit him or not. But he starts... Uh, I think it is. I don't know. But this is one of the more uh, horrifying things in the game, where you see somebody slowly become a zombie, slowly become a B.O.W., and it ends on the last words that they could say, which is itchy tasty, after eating one of their friends. 
I, and you know what, sir? You're forgetting. It's, that's not all of it. It's for Itchy Tasty. He tried to remember the date at the very least. <laughs> he did try to remember a date. That is true. And we uh, also fun see fact, it in uh, sorry, Welcome Mike. to Raccoon City. That is true. And fun fact is, well, because they, they kind of, it's not, it's kind of the same context and kind of not, but whatever. That's the whole point of the movie doing something different. But either way, I want to mention something about the Watchmen's Diary. It was one of the only first times I experienced like uh, text in a game that made me like get scared. And that's awesome. I like that feeling a lot. Plus, um, part of the Watchmen's Diary has my birthday in it. And what on the, my birthday is when they get the skinned gorillas who do not show up in that game, but they do show up in Zero. So I think that's kind of weird that, like, on my birthday, the cut enemies <laughs> were at it. I mean, it. it uh, I wish I could say I have something of that, but I've never had anything happen on my birthday in the games. So that is a um, you know, what? at some point we'll go file the uh, file diving and we'll figure that out, which game actually has your birthday. But let's move on to the next one. Um, I'm going to stay in RE1 because I figure there's a there's a lot of these in RE1, but this one's an RE1 remake. So we're going to talk about Lisa Trevor, uh, the Lisa Trevor lore. I mean, she's more than just this monster following you around everywhere. She actually has a reason why she was there. She's actually the daughter of George Trevor, the guy who designed the mansion, who also was kind of betrayed by him and forced to have his family kidnapped and experimented on while he got to go insane traveling the very thing that he created for them because he got stuck in the mansion and he didn't want to get caught and he dies and it's a whole thing. But the most important thing is that his wife and daughter get caught for experimentation. Uh, Lisa Trevor basically is more attuned to the virus. Uh, I think the mom dies. I'm not really sure why. I'm pretty sure Lisa rips her face off. And that's why, like, she has all these faces on her face is because she wants to be one with her mama. So she ripped her face off and put it on her face. And she goes around basically being super violent to all the other female staff, ripping their faces off and putting it on on hers. So and then she gets loose. And that's why she's an enemy in the game and why she has all those faces. Anything you want to add? <laughs> no, no. But she also can fucking destroy a liquor, apparently. Sick wrestling moves from Lisa, and it's Lisa off the tightrope. Um, um, now, <laughs> I personally really like Lisa, and I would like to honestly do a deep dive on her because I didn't get that for the reason why she would wear the face. I got that because she was ashamed of how she looked, and she was worried that people didn't like her. That's why she would, you know get faces i don't remember her killing her mother i remember her mother dying from the same virus that didn't kill lisa but then again i have to replay remake and uh see if maybe i missed a file here or there but tune in for that i guess eventual episode there's so many episodes to be had in this iceberg. I, tell you. I know. I'm glad it's inspiring a lot. And granted, yes, maybe I don't know the specific specifics about Lisa's uh, Trevor, Lisa Trevor's lore, but we got the main gist of it. We and did. I know at some point they give you a note about it. We did. All but right. let's get back on the road here and talk about Leon being a bad driver. Fantastic. You know what? The, the segues, the just the sheer amount of them in this episode. Um <laughs> Do you want to explain Leon is a bad driver? Go for it. Every fucking car, Leon has, not only car, excuse me, because there's also, uh, wasn't there a helicopter in six? Uh, oh, no, it was a plane. Ye- it was a plane. Everything he, cra- he drives crashes. 
No, but there also was a helicopter. <laughs> there was also a oh, bro six. Jesus, he, he drives a helicopter, an air, uh, an airplane, a bus, a car, uh, and the bus he crashes immediately, which is hilarious. Um, yes, he's a terrible driver. That has been established quite well. If there's one thing about Leon's character that has been established throughout multiple games is that he crashes everything he's in. It's, it's, uh, it's nom de plume. It's actually contractually obligated in his character to fucking crash a car. So the next one here is very interesting because I'm not really sure if I even really agree with it. Um, there's the it says RE2's canon timeline is Claire A, Leon B. Um, as a lot of well, everyone who's played Resident Evil 2 knows, you can have Claire A, Leon B, or Leon A, Claire B. It's two different scenarios, and it had the the zapping system. So <clears throat> I don't know if I agree with this because. I'm pretty sure the canon timeline for RE2 is a mix of both Claire A and B and Leon A and B. And this makes sense because RE1's timeline was a mix of both campaigns as well. You cannot beat the game with Rebecca and Barry in any of the playthroughs of RE1. So I feel like neither of the games really give the canon playthrough. They're all just kind of alternate ways. Um, so I don't know if I agree with that. What do you think? I I'll be honest. It's been a quite a minute that I haven't that I haven't played RE2 OG RE2 in a while. I I should, uh, seeing as how um, I have fancy ways to play it. Quote unquote. Wink wink. Nudge nudge. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> but from what I remember, I think there was the specific uh, the specifics. Of Leon B with the whole Ada thing that you were mentioning earlier um, hmm. in, a, in a previous episode, I believe, where you were talking about how Mr. X deals with Ada. That yeah, in terms of how they actually separate. Right. But I guess all we could say right now is that we're going to we're going to table that because we got still quite quite an iceberg to go through and tune in for yeah. that eventual episode where we do a special, I guess, on Resident Evil 2. Yeah, at some point we gotta we gotta talk about canon timelines because that's a thing that even Capcom doesn't want to talk about. <laughs> I don't think Capcom has a way to talk about it. Um, do, do you think they're keeping track of this? Anyway, no. oh, what you got? What's next? Uh, what's next is a character that you just mentioned, but uh, in a very skimpy basketball outfit, basketball Rebecca. Oh yeah. Okay, go ahead. So there's a little file that you can develop in RE2. Ironically, this is as we deeper we go, we go through the, the fucking series. Uh, but you can find a picture in Wesker's desk, but you have to click on the desk 50 times uh, to search it to get this file. You develop it and it's Rebecca with a basketball in basketball shorts and a sports bra. In her, I guess, green RPD outfit. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> the RPD basketball team. I, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, for some reason, Wesker, a middle-aged man, has an 18-year-old basketball shorts outfit for Rebecca. And uh, Wesker's a perv. That's all that. I, I, look, I, I, you act like you're surprised. You act like this isn't a completely common occurrence 
that were a, a freaking creepy dude wouldn't do something like that. Because we can all agree Wesker is creepy. There's a lot of aspects of Wesker that make him creepy, and him just kind of holding on to a picture of my sweet little Rebecca. Just, yeah, it sounds pretty annoying and, and pretty creepy as well, so... I, uh, <laughs> I hate to, to go back to the CG movies, but seeing as how Rebecca's life has turned out where she's a, a, an expert virologist and she's like a genius level intellect, I always find it interesting that maybe Wesker was keeping tabs on her to to recruit her, to, you know, join up with her or to like, put a red spider on her chest and create a different, you know, uh, campaign for Resident Evil Zero HD. Sure. Sure. Also, that is an outfit in Resident Evil Zero HD where she's controlled well, yeah. by, by Wesker. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the thing is, we can have a whole thing on Rebecca and how this series truly, truly does not respect Rebecca one fucking bit to the point where she's constantly a fucking, like, damsel in distress despite being massively intelligent. I don't know. We can have that conversation, but we're not going to have it here right now. We'll move on. To, uh, oh my gosh, we'll move on to one of my favorite things. Uh, we're going to talk about tofu. Oh, uh, okay. So, people don't really know. Or not people really don't really know. But I, it, it surprises me how many people still don't know about tofu, despite still being in the remake. So, tofu is an extra bonus game mode for Resident Evil 2, both the original and the remake. Where basically you play as a big block of tofu, and you have a knife. And that's really it. And your job is to do Hunk's uh, campaign, uh, uh, the fourth uh, survivor. Uh, uh, you're forgetting he's got a beret. In the remake, buddy. Oh, I thought he had it in the original. No, in the original, he is literally just tofu with hands. Aww. I don't even know if they... Did they give him the hands in remake? I don't even remember. Either way, um, he he basically runs around. He has a... He's pretty fast as far as I know. Whenever he takes damage, he has a really weird sound effect. Or some weird thing like that. Uh, he only got the knife and you got to do the entirety of Hunk's um, side mission, Fourth Survivor, with that character. In the remake, they put a whole bunch of new different tofu, which actually is really interesting as well. But that's tofu. Anything else to add? Well, the picture on the screen, he does have the the beret, but that that that's it. I'm not gonna. Oh, on the cover, yeah, on the fourth survivor game start screen, yeah, yeah. And there's another tofu behind him that's like a red one that's all damage, and that never shows. Well, when you take damage, you turn red, so that is true, actually. Now that I think about it. Um, thank you for leaving me this one, but Jojo, we got some Jojo fucking <laughs> references. In the series, because everything is a JoJo reference. Uh, but I, I, I almost didn't even believe this was here. But then you were like, but what about this? And I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> uh, so we have uh, the, probably the more famous one also in Resident Evil 2. There's a locker specifically labeled capital J, little O, capital J, little O, just like JoJo. Um, That's right. What other references there? Well, there was that meme about Mr. X and Leon uh, that I'm coming. I can't beat your ass unless I come closer. And uh, what other references there? Or, or is that it? Or are you approaching me? I mean, the only other reference I can think of, and I don't even know how much of a true reference it is. And it's something we found out not too long ago where Tyrant's code name was Dio. But I don't know whether or not that's a JoJo reference or if that's the band Dio, like in that reference. Could There's be both. Really, no Could way to confirm. 
Could be both. It could absolutely be both. Um, I mean, we could we could really stretch it and be like Chris when he's beating up the boulder is supposed to be, but uh, I don't I don't think so. So we'll move on to the next one. Um, let's do this one. Okay. Um, Kevin was rejected from stars twice. Uh, don't worry, you've got another Kevin one later on down the line, so you don't don't think I stole all the Kevin ones from you. It's fine. But it's uh, fine. Ke- basically, Kevin wears an RPD unit. First off, Kevin is a character from Outbreak. His name is Kevin Ryman. He's an RPD officer, and he's one of the main uh, playable characters in Outbreak. Uh, he's rejected from Star's status, I think is reflected in one of the notes, but it's also kind of evident in the fact that He's like a stars cop and he has like an application to join stars somewhere on his like, I don't know if it's in the starting in Jay's bar or if it's somewhere else in one of the other fucking like hidden item things. But it is referenced in the game that Kevin was rejected from joining stars and it is for a reason, which we will see later on down in the list. Uh, so I think that's really it. Um, but yeah, there's one thing, though, that you can't knock Kevin for, and that is his heart. Which is more than I can say for this chicken heart son of a bitch, Brad Vickers. This one, this one kind of hurts. I'm not going to lie, only because it's really only relevant in RE1 and 3. Which are the only games he's in. Well, <laughs> if we're going to talk about RE3 make. <laughs> well, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't count there. Um, he had one character trait, guys. He's scared. We, can we not? Okay, fine. Honestly, uh, let's be honest, George. We are all Brad Vickers when shit hits the fan. We're all going to run away. We're all going to be like, fuck this. I'm out. Uh, Which but- makes him so like relatable when every other character you're playing as is some fucking action cop supermodel. Brad Vickers was like the everyday, we're all going to die. He's after stars members. And I loved him. He was great. But now he- he's totally brave and super cool. Heroic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> so I guess I'll pick another one. Um, yeah. Why don't, why don't you do it? All right. So you know what? I'm going to pick this one and we're going to put it here and we do it. Uh, <laughs> we do it is, of course, referencing the Resident Evil 2 remake announcement where this badass son of a bitch. Oh, fuck. I'm going to be. I feel like an asshole that I didn't look up his name. Um, but, uh, he, this badass son of a bitch, cool stone cold badass, he comes out, rips open his top shirt to reveal an undershirt that says, we do it. And, and I, I, for one, legitimately want this shirt. I get it. It's a grammar. It's a grammatical error. Like whatever. I get it. But the sheer confidence in it. Like, we fucking do it. I love it. it. It just, it has a certain strength to it. Despite the, I guess, the the translation I, uh, barrier or whatever the fuck, I think it's so, like, empowering that I do want a shirt of this. Uh, the guy is Hirabashi, a.k.a. H. Thank you. Per- I really do appreciate that, because he deserves it. Uh, yeah, Producer H, fucking, and we see it on the uh, Resident Evil 2 podium, and in Resident Evil 3, in the RPD, where it just says, we do it. Um, well, it has, like, a whole m- memorandum, and at the bottom, it says, we do it. And I love the fact that they didn't correct it. Leave it, man. It really matters. Well, speaking of not correcting. See, I gave that to you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you, you <laughs> toss it up and we're going to alley-oop it for some welcome home, Leon, with double L. Uh, welcome home. 
this is a stupid mistranslation thing, but we all love it because it just it's cute. And they it was in the RPD main office where you see uh, a welcome Leon sign, but with with an L on a desk that fell. And we see it again in the remake, and they kept it. They kept the mistranslation. They didn't fix it. Well, because in the in the original, it is double L. It, it is misspelled welcome, like W-E-L-L come home. Uh, we both want to say welcome home. Welcome Leon sign. But in the remake, they reference the typo by having the L on the table. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in the original, both L's were up. My bad. Right. In the original, it, it says, welcome, Leon, and has a weird pair of those glasses with a weird fake nose. I never I never got why those were there. Listen, the weird thing. Marvin, the party. Mar- Marvin's a scamp. He's a scampy <laughs> dude. Likes to have some fun. He's weird. He likes to prank. Marvin likes pranks. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin's, Marvin's really into pranks. That's why when he tells you that there's survivors in the other rooms, like, and there aren't, that explains that. It's a prank, bro. It's a prank. It's just a prank, bro. I just wanted you to look, man. It's a prank. Anyway, made you look. Uh, speaking, at, uh, speaking of making uh, people look at things or not making them look at them, Wesker was supposed to stay dead after RE1. Um, yeah, so I'm glad he wasn't. Yeah, well, I, I, it's weird. I have a weird love hate relationship with Wesker. I love him dearly, and I also think he's possibly the most, uh, I don't even know, obnoxious thing in the series. I, I, I have nothing but love and admiration for that blonde asshole. Um, Mm, mm. I, I think he's, he's great. I think he's done more. Uh, he's been more beneficial to the series than anything else because I feel the series needs a big bad. Sure. Uh, we had it We had it with the nameless organization in Umbrella, and later on he became his own representation of a big bad. We didn't know what he was, particularly with Four. You don't know what shadowy organization he's dealing with. Um, what, what the fuck was HVAC or whatever the fuck that he was a part of in Code Veronica? Right? Like, is he... Was he fighting with Spencer? Was there a civil? Was there like a, a BOW war that nobody knew about? Like, how cool was all this that never was picked up again it's because it was dropped? Off screen. Yes. It's okay. It all happened off screen. Don't jo- Oswald Spencer off screen. It's okay. We'll show it to you in a flashback later. It's okay. But, Don't worry about it. But I'm glad he didn't die because we got Super Wesker and he's great in Marvel <laughs> 3. <laughs> <laughs> He's great in Marvel Three. He's great as a character. Um, Chris Majin Wesker did a lot for the franchise. <laughs> I agree. Um, but hold on, before we get into this, cause we'll have a whole thing about Wesker and a tribute to him in a, in a future episode. But we—he was supposed to stay dead after RE One, and that's pretty fucking acknowledgeable—not acknowledgeable, but pretty obvious to tell after he gets impaled in half by Tyrant. I don't think they were thinking about bringing him back. But oh no, he took that thing right before. You didn't see it though. Yeah, it, like, it was off screen, but he did it. And of um, course, and the last thing before. Oh, sorry. I thought I was going to go into this one. No, you are. I said it's, it's the last thing on this tier. Go for it. Um, and seeing as how this company is the one that always says something behind the scenes, they often reference themselves in front of the screen. Capcom references mm-hmm. in the various Resident Evil games. Um, right. What do we have? I believe we've had. Frank West being mentioned. I mean, Frank East. Sorry. 
Yeah, Frank East. Oh my god. There's, well, there, I I thought for a fact they were gonna fucking have Akuras as something on this uh, fucking iceberg, and it's not. Yeah, which is Sakura, right? From Street yeah, Fighter. it's just Sakura backwards. Yeah. Um, but what there's else? There's the Eagle in, in Resident Evil Three. There's Eagle's Pet Shop, which is a reference to Eagle from Street Fighter as well. A lot of Street Fighter. A lot of. <laughs> I mean, that's the the. Street Fighter and Resident Evil are like their two biggest brands. I'm waiting for Resident Evil 9 to have a fucking Monster Hunter as a reference. Oh, there's Regina in Resident Evil 3 and an outfit for Jill. That's for true. referencing Dino Crisis. Oh, um, I did, Dino there's a couple Crisis. of. I know, I know. I didn't mean to bring up Dino Crisis, but you know what? Someone fucking has to. Uh, so that's, that's kind of it for tier two. You ready for tier three? Yeah, I. Bro, we're an hour in. <laughs> I know. I I'm so sorry. We're gonna have to be a lot quicker on these. I I didn't think that we take <laughs> we take little breaks on all of them. All right, we're gonna try and just say all of them. I apologize, everyone. But you know what? I have a feeling no one's gonna complain that the show is going on too long. No, but the editor will. <laughs> yeah, whoever that is. Um. All right. So Resident Evil 1.5. Uh. I I don't want to. There's a lot of point fives on this tier. So I think we're gonna be talking about betas. I guess on tier three. Um, Resident Evil 1.5 is basically the whole uh, beta of Resident Evil 2 with Elsa Walker and Leon S. Kennedy. Uh, it's, you know, it's the same thing, I guess. He, he didn't really change all that much. Um, that was a beta mode, and Elsa was the original Claire with no relation to Chris Redfield. Supposed to have supporting characters that followed you to the end of the game. Uh, we'll talk about 1.5 in a future episode, but that's, that is Resident Evil 1.5. Would you like to take 3.5? Yeah, so 3.5 is the alleged, I guess, uh, it's either, nem it, it goes from, it's it was what was Code Veronica, and then it became Code Veronica. I always forget what that one was. I could have sworn, wait, 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 I could have sworn 3.5 was um, Ghost, uh, Ghost Man for Resident Evil 4, the Hook Man demo. Oh, well, there's like three, the one before. there's three Resident Evil 4 betas. Cause that, that is also true that there's like a shit ton of betas we, that ended up being their own we, games. So. We, we can knock this one out as well, where Devil May Cry was originally Resident Evil 4. Right. As well as Haunting Ground as well. Like there's a few of them. Right. They're, anyway. they're all kind of Resident Evil 3.5, aren't they? In a way, yes. Just because that game had so many, like had so much development for Resident Evil 4. Um, but the way that the uh, here on the tier list, you'll see like Resident Evil 1.5, 3.5. When they do 0.5, they're talking about the like the game before it. So Resident Evil 3, it's talking about Resident Evil 4, but the beta version of 4. So that's 3.5. And that's always been the naming convention when talking about the betas for whatever reason. And speaking of that, there's also a Resident Evil 4.5, which is basically the beta for Resident Evil 5. Um, it's not as well known, which I'm surprised that it's really here on rank three. It, I don't recall it ever being playable. So, uh, that, that's a thing. I don't know anything about that, but I just remember seeing footage of it in pictures and that's Resident Evil 4.5. Um, you know, I didn't even realize you were referencing another thing on the tier list that DMC was originally Resident Evil 4. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was just saying, let's, we could have, we knocked out that entire part of the iceberg. We yeah. broke it apart, put it in our drink. Speaking of our drink, Delicious. Leon was hungover for his first day. Nice. Uh, uh, this this is referenced really hard in Welcome to Raccoon City, but did 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 you ever hear about Leon being hungover and that's why he was late? 
I don't think the game ever says that Leon was hungover. I, I don't recall them ever giving a reason why Leon was late. Um, and you know what? Learning that he was hungover was quite the revelation. And what that, of course, is referencing is when Resident Evil Revelations was released for the DS, for the 3DS, actually, um, there was a misprint on the spine of the game box mm-hmm. where instead of it saying Resident Evil Revelations, it said Resident Evil Revelay-a-tons. Uh, the I and the T were swatched and swatched. Yeah. Just like that. We're swatched. And, um, that's kind of it. That's, that's the entire reference. What you got next? (laughs) Well, speaking of revelations, Helena replaced Claire because of revelations too. I didn't know anything about this, but when you watch uh, bone King TV stream of resident evil six, you're going to see that Helena Harper is basically a discount Claire. Well, it also doesn't help that Helena really has no purpose to stay within the script outside of I need revenge on Simmons. That's it. That's the entire reason why she's even there for the entirety of the campaign. The first two chapters are, Leon, I can't tell you anything until we get to the church. And and that's it. So, you know, I believe this, that that Helena replaced Claire because of Revelations 2. Maybe they wanted to have Claire in her own title and they wanted it to be on a more horror focus because they were saying that Revelations was the more horror focused of the two. I don't know. I don't think it was the best decision. I don't hate Helena, but she's kind of superfluous in my opinion. But that is why she is here on the the iceberg. So we'll move right on to um, Heavenly Island. Uh, Actually, you know what? No, we won't. We're, since I brought this up in terms of Resident Evil 6, we're going to talk about Chris was going to die in Resident Evil 6. Because this is another example of Resident Evil 6 being too chicken shit despite putting all of its eggs in the same basket. Um, Like, oh, we're going to have all these different game modes and all this different shit, but we can't have Claire... No, that's too much. But we can't let Chris die, despite the entire script leading up to him sacrificing himself for peers. No, no, no. Let's just tack that onto the new guy. Fuck him, I guess. So, yeah, that Resident Evil 6, Chris was supposed to be the one left on, in underwater and all that shit, or probably dying to gooey skull baby. But either way, Chris was the one to live, because I guess veterans have special treatment. That's yeah, they it. have plot armor. I thought literally. I thought you were gonna go into Helena and Angela share a voice actor. Oh, we could talk about that. Yeah, because you Which know voice acting. Because, yeah, well, yeah. One of the best parts about Helena is her performance because it's fucking Laura Bailey, and Laura Bailey's amazing. So like, it's it. You can't knock the like. All right, you can have a good voice actor or, and not have a good script. It's the same thing for movies too. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. Anyway, we're not going to get into the writing of Resident Evil 6. But yes, Angela from Resident Evil Degeneration shares the voice actress Laura Bailey with Helena Harper from Resident Evil 6. All right. That was it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Then we'll move on to Heavenly Island. Heavenly Island is a manga, which is actually really interesting, and I wish had a game adaptation because it sounds kind of interesting. Um, It's kind of the same plot. I'm not going to get into it for those of you who want to check it out. Uh, it's got a very similar plot to anything else that takes place out of fucking the United States and Resident Evil. And um, it stars Chris Redfield, Claire Redfield, um, Sheva, believe it or not, and Piers. I'd totally be down for Sheva being back. This is why I want a game version of this. 
because it'll retroactively make Piers' sacrifice more like important. Um, it was a it was a manga. Moving on. What what's the one you want to do? Well, the one I want to do is obviously one of the few Code Veronica ones here, which is Dij, the fucking yeah. little rat that just leaves notes everywhere. This is a very skillful rat, or is it a mouse? Uh -huh. There's a difference. So I'm gonna do I something to look difference. up really quick. Do you remember what Dij stands for? Oh no, I don't. I don't. I remember. honestly don't remember either, and I'm looking it up as we speak. However, uh, he is. You're you're right. He is literally just a little rat that happens to be in the background and seems to be around for a lot of the um, events of Code Veronica. Like, yeah, Rock. like the events where something surprising happens and they want to accentuate it with a rat running by. He is that rat. They canonically made this rat write a note about Claire. Yeah. Yeah, like he's proud yeah. of her or some shit. I, I, I always Yeah. I didn't I always forget to read it, but I always get happy because there there's a huge there's the biggest instance of seeing him is when he's in the locker. Uh, where you go see Nosferatu down underneath and the locker, like you could open it and it'll have a switch. So you, the switch could open the locker and all that. But he comes out, runs away, like scampers away, like a good five feet, looks back at the camera, says some shit in mouse and then runs away. <laughs> says some shit in mouse. Yeah, uh, I, I don't yeah. speak mouse, but he said some shit. I don't know what he said. I hope it wasn't anything negative to my girl, Claire, but whatever. No, he's actually, on the contrary, very proud of her and likes her very much. But anyway, it's just interesting to think that while you were playing the game, this mouse character in the background was just re like given some random backstory just in a note. And I think you get it for beating the, the extreme battle mode or something like that, too. So fun. Um, moving on, we're going to talk about Manhua Desires. Manhua Desires is one of the many Manhuas of Resident Evil, which the, are these... Manhua's um, Chinese, right? I believe so, and I, I like them a lot, actually. They cover a lot of what-if topics in Resident Evil. Yeah. And wasn't Scorpion... This the, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off, but wasn't, no, the, wasn't this the one where Nemesis fights Birkin? Yes. So, they do a lot of really cool matchups... And uh, there's a YouTuber called Scorpion who actually kind of went over a lot of them. And that's how I got to hear about a lot of them. And a lot of different stories like Barry in Raccoon City is one of them as well. And what he was doing when the outbreak first happened. And, and none of this is canon. Oh, another thing. They actually did werewolves before Village did. There you go. So it's not that foreign. Yeah, so it's just cool, like, if, if you're interested in some cool, schlocky Resident Evil action in terms of, like, comics, check them out. They're actually really cool. Um, so what's up next? This one I don't get. Remake, RE1 remake, censorship. I don't... Was it censored? What was it censored on? Yeah, I, I, I know this is a little weird. I'm just double-checking something really quick. While the GameCube version itself remains uncensored, the HD releases, however, made censorships to change Jill Valentine's unlockable RE3 costume oh, where her the, skirt had been altered to the, the point underwear. where the game would allow her to look. Really? The under under her skirt? Yeah. The underwear. That's stupid. I didn't even realize that was a thing. But then you have characters like Tubi from Nier Automata that are just in a thong. Fucking she owns that. She owns that part of her character. It, it is just iconic, that ass. You know, whatever. You know what? But That's Jill, the censorship. Jill has an iconic ass. Let Jill's iconic ass be shown. 
To be fair, though, every female character in this game is given a wonderful ass. It is just a design trope by this point. Leon's got a good ass, too. Everyone, everyone has an ass. <laughs> like, everyone has an ass in this. As I said before, we are dealing with supermodels. Uh, well, so I'll go ahead and go. Sorry, Ed. No, no, no. I just thought of a good segue. Okay, go for it. Speaking of asses, we'd like them big bottom girls, the queen references here in the oh! game. Oh! <laughs> Don't stop him now. He's going. He's fucking. In oh, you know what? Fucking. Let me that's live. That's another one. Let me That's live. another one that bites the dust, dude. I hope you know that. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, really, a mother love. Okay, I got to get to the references first. Hold on. So, Queen references in Resident Evil. Someone on the team is obviously a very big fan of Queen because this keeps showing up in multiple games. Um, as you've mentioned, uh, Claire's jacket, the back of her jackets in both Resident Evil 2 and Code Veronica both reference Queen, Made in Heaven and Let Me Live, which are both Queen songs. Not their popular songs, mind you. True fucking deep cuts like a real fan would fucking put in here. But yeah, fucking that one. And... RE0, as you mentioned, uh, on Billy's arm, it says Mother Love. We also so that's have very, Chris Redfield's yeah. bomber jacket. It says Made in Heaven yeah, yeah. as well. Also says Made in Heaven as well. That's true. Um, and also, yeah, so in case you were wondering, Billy's tribal tattoo is not really tribal. It's the word Mother Love. But in a tribal Fun. font. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Really quick, the last one. This one's important to me because it's one of the things I love about Resident Evil 3 original, and that's the enhanced ammo. Because you get this, this gunpowder kit, right? And you get to make gunpowder. But the more you make gunpowder, the more you could make enhanced ammo. And you essentially develop a handgun that's equivalent to a shotgun in terms of power. Like, it'll stun Nemi for a little bit. And the shotgun gets better shotgun rounds. It just adds so much... Uh, replayability to the game and it adds so much variety that I really wish they did more of that in other resis. But of course, R Resident Evil 3 remake was too short. Well, it didn't even tackle. No. Did it, it did it have enhanced ammo? I don't think so. It had it had a a, a gunpowder kit. Yeah. Well, okay. Alright, I don't even I, I honestly don't remember um RE3 remake having I know that RE was it RE7 that had the power bullets as well? Enhanced ammo? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Y you could put you could put lemonade on it. You could put lemonade on your bullets and it made them stronger somehow. So I remember that being a thing. So they are they do have enhanced ammo. It it is still a thing, but yes, we, I agree. It is a great mechanic. It took me like 10, 15 years to get seven. And then after that, they didn't do it in eight. I well, eight was far too concerned with rounding the tragedy of Ethan Winters. But anyway, before we get too much into that, we'll have an episode on that too. Well, we did kind of. Well, Check out the Fan Freaks episode on Village. <laughs> well, before we get into the tragedy of Ethan Winters, we need to discuss the tragedy of the Mansion Basement OST. So, I feel like we can tie this in with another one here. Um... The Mansion Basement OST is probably the most famous soundtrack from Resident Evil, which is a shame because there's a lot of really good songs on these soundtracks. But everyone knows about the Mansion Basement. It is just a bunch of trumpets farting. That that is that is the song. And I'm gonna tie. 
so fucking like it it goes out of its way to not have a melody or structure of any kind it is just literally noise um how but i want to put this though. in how avant-garde from an avant-garde composer who said he was deaf when composing the Resident Evil soundtrack. So another thing on this iceberg is the music producer for RE1's director's cut pretended to be deaf and had a ghostwriter. So by the way, that mansion basement version is from the the director's cut version of Resident Evil. It's not in the original. So right. in in this director's cut, they got this guy who who was like a very famous deaf composer who it was revealed years and years and years later that he was faking his his um disability and he could hear the entire time and he actually hired a ghostwriter to do the entire composition so he didn't even write it genius Bold. Like the entirety of the director's cut soundtrack. In case you're wondering, like, why it sounds random, at first you'd be like, oh, well, it was made by someone deaf. But no, sorry, buddy. Deaf people can make music. This ghostwriter didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And maybe that was on purpose with the mansion basement to sort of like wake everyone up to be like, hey, this, I didn't like the real composer didn't make this because think about how different it sounds from everything else. I don't know, but it was a giant scandal for a while. And that is that. What do we got next? Well, I think we could also talk about the S.D. Perry novels. I think this is something oh. you gave me one. I'm still reading it. I'm getting used to a lot of upheaval in my personal life, but I will get back to it because I was liking what I was reading. And you mentioned earlier in the Master of Unlocking segment about how Jill is the daughter of a like skilled thief or like a the greatest thief there is or some shit. And the SD Dick Valentine. Dick Valentine. Goddamn, what a name. And SD Perry, <laughs> uh, she broke down and gave a a a lot more backstory for all of our veterans, all of our characters, and the games itself, and gave them a lot more richness. Right? Wouldn't you say so? I, I like to think that she really did uh adapt the source material in a way that didn't feel like she was going too far from it. She she takes little details from the game and kind of creates little uh, backstory elements, but not anything where it's like, oh, we're going to introduce the character Dick Valentine into the story and he's a whole thing now. Like, no, it's just little things that the book was able to recall to the reader that helped personify the character a bit more while also going into how the events leading up to the Spencer estate happened. Fucking hell, man. If you want a good adaptation of the Resident Evil stories, please read the S.D. Perry novels. They, they actually try, because think about the other Resident Evil movies that are just so not concerned with telling the story. They actually try to tell the story while also adding to it, as opposed to just mixing everything around. So yes, the S.D. Perry novels are, are very good, and I highly do recommend them. Uh, what's next for you, buddy? All right. What's next for me? Um, hmm. So this is going to be interesting. I want to bring this one up and get it out of the way because I actually kind of don't know um, this one. And I also looked it up and couldn't find anything either. So maybe someone out there can tell me. It says that Jake is a continuity error. Um, Jake being, of course, uh, Jake. Oh, fuck. What's his last name? Oh, well, uh, why don't I know it? Well, it's Jake Wesker. Jack, Jake Mueller, Jake Mueller from Resident Evil 6, that, that's his name, um, is revealed to be the son of Wesker, Albert Wesker. Now, 
I don't know, because remember, these characters go into the fucking void in between games. They don't have set areas where they live or what they're doing. They're, they're just everywhere and can be anywhere at any time. So I guess at some point, Wesker had sex with someone to, to make Jake, right? Wesker had to have already done Resident Evil 1. So it's after Resi 1. So he had to have impregnated uh, somebody. Maybe the... Before the, Resident Evil 1, because Sherry's already a kid. Well, it's canonically that Jake is older than, than Sherry. So even more so, he should be, it should be even no, further I'm a, back. I'm asking you, is he canonically older no, than you're, Sherry? No, yes. He is canonically older than Sherry because they want to have this whole fucking romantic, oh, he's older and she's younger fucking vibe. So like, no, Jake, I think, is older. So yes, that's what that means. I understand what they mean now. Jake is a continuity error because how the fuck did Wesker impregnate someone before he became superhuman to give Jake the bloodline to stop the T-virus? The or whatever virus, C-virus. The only thing I could even try to attempt to fix this is that the blood that Jake has, the the contaminated blood from Wesker, has a, a, like aggressive aging. Like Metal Gear Solid 4. What, like Metal something. Gear? We got old Jake? Yeah. Maybe. Well, I whatever. I, I I'm look, trying to I, fix <laughs> this shitty story that Capcom has no idea what they're doing with. There is no plan. None. They just introduce new elements and that's it. Either way, that's what they mean by Jake being a continuity error. There's no way Wesker could have impregnated someone and have been superhuman at the same time. Uh, do you got another one for me? So I never played this and I don't think you have either, but it's an often forgotten game called R.E. Gaiden, Resident Evil Gaiden. It's a Game Boy Color game, right? Uh, Yes. And it is with Leon and Barry, which is an odd team up to say the least. And a random kid called Luca, I believe. Who gives and a shit? Fuck there. the Luca kid. But Barry and Leon having a game is wild to me. But we have never, I don't think either one of us have ever or will ever pl play, excuse me, will ever play. Oh, I will. Oh, I will play it eventually. I, I haven't really gotten around to it, but I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity uh, to talk about this other game, too. Because in terms of Resident Evil spinoffs, because Resident Evil Gaiden is a Resident Evil spinoff, just like Resident Evil Dead Aim is, mm. which is also here on the tier list. Um, I didn't play Dead Aim for a long time, and then when I eventually did, I ended up fucking loving it. So, I don't know, maybe Gaiden might actually be a pretty good game, and a lot of people say it's okay, so I can't imagine it being any worse than, like, Operation Raccoon City or something. Fuck so, you. like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm just saying, Gaiden, it probably wouldn't even be that bad, and it's here on the tier list because it is a spinoff, much like Resident Evil Dead Aim, which was for the PS2, starring Bruce McGivern and Fong Ling. I, I... I I will say I like to say that I actually really like Dead Aim, and I was one of the people that, that encouraged it, which you could also find on uh, Bone King TV. Uh, my playthrough is actually on my YouTube. Like that's actually one that's there. So if you want to see my first reaction with Dead Aim, that is on my YouTube at Bone King TV. There you go. Um, let's let's move on to another one really quick. Um, so Kevin Ryman is an alcoholic. We brought this up earlier. Um, we said that Kevin was rejected from stars twice. This is why. I mean, is, is there any more to go into? It's basically the fact that in Jay's bar, 
he has this habit of challenging people to darts and losing uh, it, and losing constantly. I'd like to do a twofer here because they both involve Code Veronica. Steve's hair, Steve, <laughs> Steve. Uh, looking less like Leo and looking more like just a generic uh, pretty boy in the in the re-releases of Code Veronica. Because in the original- They couldn't do Leonardo DiCaprio's hair again. They just couldn't. They could not. <laughs> and then we have alternate Nosferatu kills, which are really cool. So Nosferatu is, a, is Alexander Ashford in Code Veronica. He's a boss fight. And he's a bitch of a fight. But you have three alternate scenes, I believe, where you, where you kill him using different weapons as Claire. You can only fight him as Claire. So there's one where you get to use Alfred's uh, sniper rifle and you get to uh -huh. shoot his heart out and you get to see Claire do a one-liner. I forget the one-liner, but she does a one-liner. Uh, it's like, I have you now or something. It's like, it's something weird. Yeah. So she shoots the heart out. There's one where he just like collapses and she like takes a breath and a step back. That's a more generic one. And then there's this one that if you're a fucking badass, bud, you are a god where you kill him using only the knife and she stabs him in the heart, which I find uh, super interesting and super cool. I want to throw this out there, and if for those of you who want to try it, you actually don't need to do the whole fight with the knife. It just needs to be the last hit. Yeah, but where's the skill in that? I know. I'm just saying, like, because when I played it for the stream, I, I wanted to get the sniper ending, and I got it, and it was fucking cool. So, yeah, there's just alternate different kills in terms of the cutscenes. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, that and Steve's hair, if I wanted to say anything about Steve's hair... I think it's an improvement because it makes him look different other than people just like confusing him for Leon, which is a little bit, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, we'll move on. Is there anything else you want to say about Nosferatu? No, no, I, I really like the boss fight, but that's about it. It, it is a really cool design, too. I do like his design. Um, I want to talk about the RE1 hand. What well, is I did that? Some, yeah, I did some some research trying to figure out like what exactly which RE1 hand are they talking about? And I couldn't find one. The only thing I can think of is the hand of of um I forget, oh, Dewey, oh. Edward Dewey's hand in the intro of RE1. Right, right, where Joseph picks it up and he screams when he realizes it's just a hand. And uh Yeah. It's a gun. It's a hand holding a gun, and he brings it up, and he's shocked or whatever. Whose hand is that? That would be Dewey's. Yeah, I mean, that's Dewey's. Yeah, and we see it again in Zero, right? No, no, see, no, because in, in in Zero he has both hands. That's correct. So they completely fucked it up. It is. It is kind of a plot hole. He's that is his hand is supposed to be off, but they didn't do it. Oh so. my god, Capcom with a plot hole. Who would have thought? Oh. Oh my god, it's almost like no one's really planning or mapping this shit out at all. In so, any case, um, go ahead. No, I wanted to talk about uh, the GameCube exclusivity deal. Oh, please do. Talking about Zero, talking about One, and talking about Four. These three games, like Capcom went in on the GameCube. Nintendo signed them to some deal. I forgot what was the dollar amount, but... Uh, oh, you forgot three games. What three games? Oh, one, two, oh, well, and, and well, two and three. Exactly, two and three for the GameCube in terms of ports. Oh, there were and other Resident Evil and games. Code Veronica. 
and Code Veronica, correct. And I believe, now don't quote me on this because I really don't know, but I believe this was around the same time as the Capcom 3, which was RE4, uh, PN09, PN and Killer7. Oh, and, and Beautiful Joe, I think, as well? Capcom 4? I don't remember. It's one, 3 or 4, and this was around the same time, too. There was a lot of GameCube Nintendo Resident Evil action around this time period. Right. GameCube was the Capcom console for a little bit. Um, but Much to the fucking dismay of the franchise, by the way. Yeah. Because a lot of people felt like the, no one wanted to play horror on a Nintendo console, and that was a huge thing. Good lord, man. It was fucking beautiful, and all of them run really well on a GameCube. GameCube was... Yeah. So, uh, that was the reason I got a GameCube was for those games. Um, because, you know, Re if Resident Evil's going on a system, definitely buying it. Uh, mm -hmm. But the GameCube exclusivity deal fucking died almost like a year after because Resident Evil 4 sold like bangbusters. And then somebody at Capcom was like, can we port Resident Evil 4 to PlayStation 2, which has a bigger market share? Yeah. No, don't worry about it. Nintendo isn't going to say anything. Don't worry about it. Look, don't worry about it. Despite, like, uh, fucking the head of RE4, I forget who it was who said it specifically. Shinji? I think it's Mikami. Shin yeah, I think it's Shinji Mikami, who is like, I will literally cut my head off if RE4 gets ported to anything else. Well... <laughs> Where's your head, bro? Here we are. Where's your Where's head? Your, he gives the best head. It's everywhere. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, I think I'm scanning through it to make sure we we covered all of them here. Well, there's uh, this is another this? Shinji thing, Sweet Home. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, Sweet Home is a game for the NES. It's kind of a puzzle game. It's more of like a adventure puzzle game. I beat it, actually, in its entirety. I love it. I actually thought... Believe it or not, Sweet Home made me have this huge renaissance of SNES, NES games where I was like, I got to go back. And that's when I beat Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy One. Anyway, not going to get into that. I'm sorry. Um, You can find a note in Sweet Home. When you read it, it says you must escape this house of residing evil. Ah, uh, see, they did so the in thing. Case, yeah. They did the thing. In case you were wondering where Resident Evil comes from, I'm pretty sure it's that reference there this house of residing evil it's talking about evil residing here not that the residents are evil it's kind of different but bio we can all agree biohazard is a better better name sorry <laughs> like it's fine sure we're gonna have to do a case of on that because i kind of disagree oh, but okay. i i appreciate both names both names are good i just prefer resident evil that's the name i don't know it just sounds cooler um, this one's for me because out of the two of us, I actually played it. Survivor, the dead aim of its time. Oh yeah. Uh, this is. I'm sorry I didn't bring this up when we were talking about spinoffs. I totally didn't see it there. Uh, this is yeah. This is a spinoff of a PS1 not rail shooter, but it's a first person shooter. Um, that's pretty shit. So it's, it's a short game. I would actually want you to play it one day just to, you know, cover your bases here. But uh, oh, yeah. it features uh, one of the greatest pro tags in the series, Ark Thompson. Who Ark Thompson. Who looks like a shitty James Sunderland. Wow. How can you say that about a character who visits the Heaven's Night bar within the first 25 minutes? See, that's something we should add here. In this fucking uh, ice cube that they don't add here, the Heaven Night's bar. This ice cube. 
so beneath us. Yes, they don't have that. They don't have the Heaven's Night reference. I looked around for that too, and yeah, I don't see it. But uh, but yeah, it's a PS1 game. It, la- it You could beat it in like three hours. It's a bunch of Resident Evil 2 assets in a new environment. A 3D environment. No, no uh, pre-rendered backgrounds. That is correct. Um, you wanna, so, I mean, let me see. You want to do this press release here? Sure, I can do that one. So, a press release of... Um, I, I forget which Resident Evil. I'm pretty sure it was Resident Evil 3 or Resident Evil Remake. One or the other. That said something about Jill being half French, half Japanese. Now, this is a weird thing that a lot of Japanese games love to do. They love to make their characters half Japanese and half whatever... I guess culture they want to use for that time. So like it, it's a way to make some Japanese folks relate more to the main character because they're half Japanese, despite not looking Japanese at all. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, it's like if I were to take a character, uh, I don't know from, I don't know, an Egyptian character. Right. And then I just called him, Oh, he's half American. And, and that's just my explanation for every character that comes into the franchise. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It, it was just this kind of weird thing that it's like a pedigree thing that I guess every character has. And I, there's another one here that I don't even think is listed that they said that Leon was uh, half Italian. That's another one as well. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah, these press releases say a lot of random shit. In fact, I don't see this one either on the ice, uh, iceberg, but there was a press, relief for, uh, press release for Code Veronica, which had a lot of weird and edgy and frankly problematic lines that were apparently written by Claire as she's like modeling with the different weapons and items from Code Veronica. There's one where she's like eating the herbs and there's one where she's sitting on a muscular black man. I, d- I don't, I don't know. But it's there. <laughs> hey, I'm, so, I'm happy for Claire getting her nut. You know, whatever whatever floats your boat, I guess she's continuing the bloodline. Oh, my God. One of the best things about it is she's like, there's this kid Steve here. He might be all right, but the worst news is he's Canadian. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, she, she's so pro-USA, dude. Pro-USA. Claire is quite problematic. Fucking you cross-dressing freak, Canadians. Jesus, Claire. We gotta <laughs> we gotta sit down and talk for a few minutes. Uh, okay. Moving la- on. This is the last one, and I'm just gonna cover it really quick. The infinite health grenade round glitches in various games. The grenade mm. round glitch is only in the GameCube RE1 remake, where you have to put the grenade rounds in the seventh slot in the item slot of the item box and you have to swap it with the grenade launcher and apparently you get infinite ammo and infinite health you could actually do it with any anything in code veronica because there's easy ways to manipulate the the inventory so that way it never runs out but those are the Mm. two that come to mind i don't know any infinite health in in one or two or three um, one of my favorite things, though, is being a kid in elementary school and talking about Resident Evil and everybody having a different idea on on what uh, order of herbs to combine to get infinite health. And that there was a specific... To get infinite health? And there was a specific herb in a specific place that you had to combine with another herb in another place and it would get you infinite health. 
it was all bullshit, but whatever. It was it was it was schoolyard talk. Um, one of the dumbest ones. I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm opining here, but one of the dumbest ones was if you combined all the keys that you were supposed to throw away after <laughs> using them, you get a key to a different room that gives you a, a rocket launcher with infinite ammo. That was my favorite joke that I ever read, but whatever. Uh, I, I would love to one day cover the Silent Hill ambulance ending, but that's that's a topic for another day. Wow. All right. Um, here we go for uh, we're almost at Tier the five end. We're almost at the end. Sorry for taking your time, folks, but there's a lot of shit to cover here. Uh, I think you should talk about the first one here. The uh, the outbreak one. Alrighty, so the first one I see here that catches my eye pretty fast is the unused Outbreak characters. Yes, so um, Outbreak has a shit ton of NPCs, and a lot of them were, well, are playable, actually. If you unlock them in the um, bonus features mode, you can actually play as a lot of these NPCs. They repurposed all the different models as different characters. Now, because there's a whole bunch of different models, it's pretty safe to assume that a lot of them got cut. Um, there was even supposedly supposed to be an Outbreak File 3, which had a whole bunch of other campaigns that really were still on the cutting room floor during the production of File 2. So that includes stuff like A Day at Raccoon, um, there's one that was supposed to take place on the docks, uh, there was a couple of campaigns, and those campaigns had characters attached to them. And these are the characters we're talking about here. So there was Mickey, who was the owner of the hotel in A Day in Raccoon, where basically you'd be in an, at an inn, at an inn, like a hotel, and mm -hmm. Mickey was the guy you were giving videotapes to. Um, there was Kate, who I don't know what her deal was. There was an, a mother and son who are not playable in any means. But fun fact, the modders, actually modders have managed to make these characters playable in the current online PC builds of Outbreak File 2. So you can actually play as a lot of these characters right now. Um, but yeah, these were just cut characters from cut campaigns in Resident Evil Outbreak File 2 and File 3. I gotta, I gotta tell you, man. Uh, Outbreak had a lot of shit on the on the oh cutting room God, floor, so much. so much. But, but you just floored me now by telling me there's a docks in Raccoon City. What the fuck does this city not have? Oh well, you go to the docks in um, File One, I believe. Uh, I think it's on end of the, no end of the road decisions decisions and there, you have to go through this little boating docking area and that's where you fight the different Neptunes that push you into the water but there was supposed to be a whole campaign about that like that was the focus of the campaign but they left it to only that area because like I guess they made the assets and they were like we're gonna do something with it I guess so it's in decisions decisions um, but yeah if you don't mind I'm gonna go ahead and jump onto another thing with Outbreak and just knock this out go ahead Okay, so speaking of Outbreak, another thing on this tier list, on tier five, is Yoko's backstory. Do you know anything about Yoko's backstory? Dude, very little. You've played way more Outbreak than I have, so please tell me, what, what, what about Yoko? Yoko's so the, every, the, the girl with the expandable backpack, right? Well, expandable, I don't know. We can experiment to find that out. But I know she is the one with the backpack, yes. Um, she has the hidden pack ability. Um, her whole thing, okay, so all these characters have stories, have backstories, where they came from, what their profession was, but one character actually has a backstory that's relevant to what's going on in, with the apocalypse, and that character is Yoko. So, Yoko, in the beginning of, of File 1, you'll notice, is in the bathroom cutting her hair. 
she is actively cutting her hair to look like someone else because she doesn't want to be recognized. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, throughout the game, she doesn't really say anything, but she shows a hesitance to what's going on. She never really, like, freaks out too much. She Well, okay, that's not a right thing to say. What I mean to say is she's reserved for some things where other characters are freaking out. And the reason for this is Yoko is an umbrella scientist. And we know this because when you do the below freezing point campaign, one of the umbrella scientists recognizes her and basically is like a fellow coworker. So we kind of already knew that already. But not only is she an umbrella scientist, her name is listed on a list of blood donators for the experimentation of the G-virus. No shit. So when you get, and this is all something that happens in the game, when you get to end of the road and you spam her ad lib button with Linda in your hand, she talks about it and she eventually kind of confesses, I might be responsible for all of this. My blood was selected. The vial they picked, that one was mine. So Yoko's blood is in all of the monsters in Raccoon City. Her blood is part of the basis of the G-Virus. You know what's interesting is that this kind of like devalues a little Birkin, doesn't it? Not exactly, because it's not the fact that her blood was the virus. Birkin still experimented like crazy and made the blood into a virus. I just think it's so cool that her blood is part of the base. It's not the virus itself. And she's and by the way, this explains why she has the lowest infection rate, by the way, mm. because that's why she's she, she her blood is kind of used to it but it could still be infected just the same she's not mila jovovich levels where she's fucking immune or something like they didn't take it that far it's just a neat little nod that yes um yoko was one of the donators for the original blood batch of vials that helped get the g virus started jesus man that's pretty fucking heavy i think it's so cool it's such a cool little thing for a character who's mainly reserved the entire game and you would never think that and that's why she's hiding her identity because when it all starts breaking out and shit she's like i don't want to be associated with this anymore i'm cutting my hair also that's and, why uh, her hair looks so shitty and short well that and that the yoko z outfit is what she looked like before when she was working at umbrella so you could actually play as that too um, but they, yeah, that's, that's my outbreak stuff. Which one do you want to tackle next? Well, uh, since we're going around that aisle, let's go with Ditman glitch, which is a resi four thing. Yes. Uh, so the Ditman glitch, I don't know exactly how it works. I do know it works with the striker where yes. you have to have it equipped at, or equip it and then pause really quick after equipping it and then un unequip it and then equip it again or something like that where like speeds the game up by like 1.5 um I, i'm pretty sure it's you fire the striker and when you reload you immediately pause switch to a grenade and because leon's animations speed up when he's reloading the striker it that that speed up will persist even though you're not holding the striker anymore you're holding a grenade so, and then after that point, you can equip whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But the idea is, is to interrupt the reloading animation when you're doing the strikers reloading. Um, yeah, and it's basically a speed run tactic, and people in RE4 do it all the time. Have you done it? I've never done it. Uh, I've done it, I want to say, once or twice. 
but I really should learn to get better at it because a lot of people do it and it, it is very useful. It does sort of break some of the action set pieces, but it, the game can handle it. I mean, considering um, the fact that you run through everything, you don't even fight. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I should probably do that. Um, but I don't know. I, I have I, I make do with my current speed, so we'll, we'll see. Um, let's move on to another of the action trilogy. Uh, this is Jill was going to stab Wesker's eye out in Resident Evil 5. Do you know about this? No, not at all. So from what I think this is referencing, I'm pretty sure this is referencing a piece of concept art for Resident Evil 5 because it says Jill was going to stab Wesker's eye because in this concept art of Resident Evil 5, it shows Wesker holding Jill at what is to be assumed the bottom of the cliff that she just launched him out of the window of. You know what I'm talking about in the Lost in Nightmare yeah, scenario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jill tackles Wesker off a fucking cliff out of a window. Right. It, that concept art shows Wesker carrying Jill assumedly at right after that and his right eye is bleeding so i'm assuming like maybe originally he was she was supposed to blind or maybe like she was supposed to blind him and then push him out the window or maybe chris was supposed to blind him but in this concept art his eye is bleeding and i think that's what this is referencing all right i mean that's i mean that's it that's really it's just concept art all right uh, then we got Darkside Chronicles official Twitter accounts. I had to look this one up, but we got four Twitter accounts that were named at Jack uh, uh, underscore Darkside, at Leon underscore Darkside, at Claire D underscore Darkside, and at Steve underscore Darkside. Steve gets one. <laughs> yep. And they tweeted the events of the game in a first person perspective. Awesome. That is, it is hilarious. Do you want me to really quick tell you all, all the tweets? They're really short. No, there's a lot of them. No, I mean the ones that, okay, that's fine. Okay. Uh, the ones that on the website that you're looking at are some of them. I went to the Twitter pages, which are still active. They tweet the whole game. They tweet the whole game? They tweet the whole game. Like, Claire running it. It's weird because the tweets for Leon, the way that they're... Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm doing this. So, the tweets on how they're written are within the the the, the for format. The order of Darkside Chronicles because this is an advertisement campaign for Darkside Chronicles. So, the tweets for Leon start in Operation Javier, but then they merge into RE2's first-person accounts and then go back to Operation Javier. So, like, they're really, really weirdly organized, but yes, they go through the whole game, and, like, we get a tweet of Leon, I just got a job! Where's Raccoon City anyway? It's, like, it's just funny as fuck, honestly, and I think it's really cute that they did it for Leon, Claire, um, by the way, Jack is not Jack Baker, it's Krauser, uh, so Krauser gets one, and fucking Steve, so that's great. That is great. Should we handle now the hunt for the original RE1 actors, Annie Nez? We should, but I want to mention that I'm surprised Steve's Twitter wasn't just a bunch of, like, emo songs and, I don't know, really edgy quotes and stuff. Like, they really should just made his really, like, cringy. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this, the hunt for the RE1 original actors. So, when you beat RE1, when the credits show, you'll notice that all the voice credits are one name. Like, they're just a singular name. They don't really even give a full name for these people. So we had to go out and look for the original voice actors, which we did. And who are one of those original voice actors, Eagle? Inez? 
Inez. Inez, I don't know her last name. I'm so sorry. Inez is the live uh, capture, live action capture of Jill Valentine in the intro and the endings of Resident Evil 1. Um, she was like in school at the time. She's like a fucking high schooler. That, yeah. that was in the, the, the document documentary in the, the making of, which is just really interesting. I don't know. Like who, where did they film this? How did they get the people for this? Cause they're not really even actors. Like they from found my, Barry and they found Chris. But. From my understanding, they found all of them like needing some money, uh, in Japan. This was all in Japan and they were just there as American transplants, uh, trying to get mm. some money and, they were offered, I don't know what the amount was, but they were offered just to do the the motion capture because they didn't do the voice, supposedly. I don't know if that's true or not. But from my understanding, hmm. it was it was them just doing the motion capture. And um I mean, I don't think there was a lot of motion capture with RE1. It's, right. it's a little rudimentary no, for motion you, capture you know like what i meant like the f intro scene and the ending oh yeah okay i see what you mean so okay, yeah. just those little bits of acting and that's about it and uh and yeah i mean to this day well, to this day nobody knows who any of them are and some of them i know for a fact have been found but the when they've been found i think like the va for chris is dead Unfortunately, like he passed in like 2009 or something. And I, I don't recall. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy that plays Richter or if that's Harry Mason, I forget. But um, either way, like you're right. They, they, they're kind of not really brought to the forefront. It's not like they did anything recently or they continued that career. It's just weird to think like these, these actors really jumpstarted the entirety of Resident Evil and... I don't know. It's 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 weird. The fact that yeah. Capcom didn't really credit him like and that. They never... Speaking of crediting. Oh, yeah. No, go, 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 go. Speaking is... of crediting, apparently Resident Evil Revelations uh, 2's, Resident Evil Revelation 2's uh, voice actress for Claire was not Allison Court, which I can't believe I didn't notice that, and apparently used a pseudonym. I I have not beaten Revelations 2. I know. Feel free to beat me with sacks of potatoes, but uh, I did not. I didn't do it. So what about... Uh, did you beat Rev 2? No. I, I honestly gave up at like around halfway and I was like, I can't. This is... I can't anymore. So I don't know. Maybe one day I'll return to it. Maybe one day we'll both return to it. But who knows? It's, it, both mm. revelations for me are pretty like... I don't want to play them. <laughs> All right. Well, before we make any enemies, let's go ahead and get to the final rung of the Resident Evil Iceberg. We're almost done, folks. Thank you for braving, braving all of this with us. Uh, and to be fair, it's a lot less, so it should be should go by pretty fast. So I think uh, I really want to nail this one because this is a game you played that I didn't, and it's Wesker is alive in Umbrella Core Theory. Okay, awesome. I'm glad that this fucking iceberg allows me to finally talk about this. So people always want I want Wesker to come back. He needs to get revived. He needs to get revived. I, look, I don't know how much of a theory it is. But he is alive in fucking Umbrella Core because when you beat Umbrella Core's single player campaign, yeah, it has a single player campaign. It's not much of one, but it has one. But when you do, the person that gives you intel, which by the way was replaced by from the first person because the first person got killed off screen or something. I'm not sure. But the second person talks to someone off screen and says, 
How about that? Was that good? And then a voice you hear is like, that was passable. And it's like, that is so recognizable. It can't be anyone other than Wesker. Come on. So Wesker lived. Wesker somehow lived the stupid volcano shit, and he's alive, and Umbrella Corps seems to support that. Now, will they continue it? I don't know, because nothing has structure. Nothing has planning. They'll just pick him and put him in whenever he fucking feels like it. What about Steve's body? What about Sherry in captivity? Just nothing. Nothing matters. So you know what? I don't care. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> The next one, uh, the Romero script, which uh, our friends Robot Stone Age, they talk about it quite a bit, CJ and Cody. Yep. I have, big fans. I have never read it. I have never I, read it. I think but I did a long time ago, but go ahead. I, oh, man. I would If there's any way that you could get it so we could read it for the people that have missed out on it, I think we should do that. Like, it's a weird podcast show, but we should cover us talking about what's in the Resident Evil screenplay. The OG. Sure. Uh, sure. Actually, I, I mean, even on top of that, there's a comic out right now on Twitter by Sissel the Cat, and they're currently turning into a graphic novel. So there you go. <laughs> Man, Resident Evil is in everything. Even the fans are doing more for Resident Evil than Capcom ever ever. The had. fans are doing everything. The Everything is carried on the fans. <laughs> I just, um, anyway... One of the things that I do want to mention, uh, I'm sorry to like shout out more of your shit, but the Bone King Nexus has a Resident Evil convention center. And I posted oh, up God. this old fucking promo for Resident Evil 2, where if you got the pre-order, you had a chance to appear in this movie in 1998. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that was the George Romero script. So yeah. funnily enough, that ties back in. Um, Now... What's this about a Cameron virus? Okay. So how many of these that are, I hate to do this to you and flex my Resident Evil know-how, but like how many of these left over do you know? I know none of them. Okay. So I, well, hello folks. I'm going to be taking over for some of these. Um, some. The Cameron virus. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. The Cameron virus is actually a reference to Resident Evil 4D, which as far as I recall, I saw this shit, I want to say, when I was, like, 12, okay? So this is a very distant memory. As far as I remember, it was, like, this animated featurette about a UBCS uh, soldier. If, if I recall, it's kind of stupid for me to say soldier because the S, whatever. Um, he was running around, and he was dealing with this different virus strain that was kind of, like, causing people to turn into the thing. You know, where, like, they kind of started morphing into, yeah, like, unrecognizable yeah. and having multiple faces and shit. And that was, that's the Cameron virus. That's it. It's just the virus that was in Resident Evil 4D. That, but I've never heard of Resident Evil 4D. I mean, it, oh, by the way, I'm sorry. It's called 4D Executor. I was going to say, there's another part of it that I'm not remembering. Uh, what? 4D Executor is like a, it's like a video. It's a video? That's it? Not even a game? No, it's not a game. It's not a game at all. It's literally just a, a video. All right. What about the Biohazard DVD books? Now, this one I really don't know a lot about either. I'm assuming that these are just like Japanese novelizations that were released on DVD. I genuinely don't know. And we can look it up if you want. But I feel like they're pretty self-explanatory as well. So, I mean, like, should we do that? <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, do we should we save it for another show? Yeah, why not? Hold on, we're we're almost done. Let's go ahead and get through this. Macoba um, Village and Drama CDs. So those are all still the the drama CDs. Uh, if I recall, Macoba um, Village is hold on one second. I'm I'm looking it up really quick just to double check. I know. Oh my gosh, I don't remember the biggest thing. Um, oh yes, okay. I remember this now. I got confused because I, I had this confused with the fucking um, Heavenly Island manga. But no, Makoba Village was an audio CD that was um, talking about a cult that was in the Arkley Forest, apparently. That was like this fucking like random settlement that these weird cultists put together in, in Raccoon City's uh, Arkley Forest. And apparently there was a whole situation with them that dealt with the virus getting out. And that's Makoba Village. Wow. Uh, okay. I I know it's it's just like there were there's, there's all these fucking side stories, right? And and we don't really see they're not advertised so much of them. at all. No, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> what about Prelude to the Fall? So Prelude to the Fall is is a manga actually, and it's basically um, really funnily enough. I constantly bitch at how the fall of Umbrella was relegated to just a side campaign of Umbrella Chronicles because this book actually covers the moments before that. So this ma um, manga, this manga was supposed to sort of lead into Umbrella Chronicles and the side campaign in that called Umbrella's End. Oh, okay. Which I don't imagine it could... I haven't read it, but I can't imagine it says anything fucking more interesting than what we eventually saw. Maybe maybe this is what I wanted? Maybe, like, instead of it just being the side campaign in Umbrella Chronicles, we could have gotten Prelude to the Fall plus that, and that would have been a thing, but I don't know. I don't think that's what we got, so that's it. And last but not least, Nadia from Vendetta is a lesbian. So there's a character in Vendetta, and she's a lesbian. Thanks. Like, I, I, I just, is it's it. That's, that's the deep, dark trivia of Resident Evil. Like, I don't... <laughs> I hate that it just ended on a fucking dud after all that we just yeah. went through. That was the last one to do. Well, if you want, I'll, I'll add a couple because I haven't even seen them mention the Resident Evil stage play. Yeah, that's something else that, that's not here. There, there's been a few Resident Evil stage plays, actually, and they all have different stories, and a lot of them just have a random character from Resident Evil just feature, and they're just randomly there or something. Uh, um, they didn't mention uh, the fact that Tofu was originally going to be a Marvel vs. Capcom 3 fighter, and they cut him. Oh, really? Yeah, that was another bit of trivia. Like, I could, I wonder if I'll put together my own iceberg of things that aren't here because these, this doesn't even <laughs> scratch the surface um, in terms of which, uh, what trivia there is for this series. This series is, a series is full of it. Like, for, for example, they didn't even mention the Haunting Ground uh, Onimusha, the Devil May Cry relation to Resident Evil 4. Dante with Leon, like none of that. So there's just so much more to go through. So maybe we'll return to this topic in the future. But for now, that is the Resident Evil iceberg as broken down by the Titanic that is Eagle and Wolf. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we, but that, that, such has, that has such a negative connotation because 
the boat doesn't make it. The iceberg wins. <laughs> well, whatever. I don't see this iceberg going away anytime soon. I think we're done. We are done. <laughs> <laughs> we're never doing another show again. This is the finale, folks. Sorry. Just, well, well, until we can make a makeshift raft... I don't know. Well, there is that ship over there, the Zenobia. Why don't we go take that one? I'm sure it's fine. Just just promise me you'll never let go, Bone. <laughs> all righty, Eagle. Now, where could we find you if we wish to talk about all the things on this iceberg with you? Well, you could scold me for not knowing nearly as much as Wolf here, but at Adrian <laughs> Dooliness on Twitter. <laughs> and don't worry, folks. He's not the kind of person to give you the cold shoulder. Oh. Uh, <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. I'll put that joke on ice for later. It's okay. Uh, um, I, so you can find me at Bone King TV uh, on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, feel free to tell me how wrong I was on all these iceberg things. This was just from me going through it. I looked up one or two of them, but for the most part, I felt like I knew a lot of them. Um, and to be fair, as I said before, there's just so much more trivia to do. So I have a feeling we'll we'll definitely be returning to something very similar to this. Uh, so keep an eye out for the Eagle and Wolf podcast on the next iceberg. So uh, again, thank you all for listening. Want to give a quick uh, special thanks to Cody and CJ of Robots Don't Age. Um, you know, just our our fellow compatriots in Resident Evil fandom, standom. Well, I don't even know. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we close it out? <laughs> No, except one thing. Uh, I just noticed um, by the time this comes out, Burnsy will have already finished a Jill run in OG Resident Evil. So good on you, Burnsy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good. He, he should actually play the canonical main route of the game at oh, least once. Oh, fuck off. Just saying.